how much of your identity is truly yours. If you were raised by someone else in some other environment, how different of a person would you be? Certainly, there's some essential core to your soul, but is it even recognizable behind all the layers of socialization and culture? Some folks have an even stranger time of it. If you was unilaterally spoken into existence by a god, are they your parent? Do they hold responsibility to raise you to look after you? Should you hold any respect, any love towards them for causing your existence? Everyone comes to their own answers here. I ain't gonna tell you yours are wrong. But I do think you can learn a lot about a person by looking at the genealogy. Welcome back to An Atlas of the World Unknown, an actual play podcast centered on imaginative world building and emergent storytelling. I'm your host, Paul, and joining me today is Haley. Hello. And Dane. Hello, hello, hello. Today we are going to be playing Union by Ben Robbins, which is a game of family and ancestry. And I think we're going to just jump right into it. Hell yeah. So we're all set up. Uh, step one, what is union? We're going to take turns reading this section aloud. Each of us was created by those who came before us. We are the result of countless unions. Our parents came together and brought us into this world, just as each of them was brought into the world by the parents of their own, and so on and so on. Without every single one of our ancestors, we wouldn't be here. In this game, we're going to make a family tree and then jump back and forth across the generations to explore the lives that interest us. We may roam around the entire tree or focus on just a few people that capture our imagination. That's up to us. We'll start by deciding how the story ends. We'll create a single descendant who is the result of all these unions, a hero who confronted some problem facing the family or society as a whole. Then we'll go back and explore the ancestors who created them and the world they lived in. The ancestors we make aren't limited to biological parents or bloodlines. We can choose to create adoptive parents, teachers, mentors, anyone who we think had a unique impact on creating the next generation and whose past and legacy we want to explore. As we play, we should live each life like it's the center of our story. The path of each ancestor and how they come together to make the next generation is a tale all its own. Some of these unions may be happy, some sad, some triumphant, some magic. Some long, some terribly brief. But whatever the fate of each ancestor, we already know that the family's story will continue. Okay. Ba -ba -ba so we've laid out a family tree, which kind of has the hero at the bottom, and then above them is a card that will hold their two parents. Above that, two cards that will hold each parent's parents, so grandparents, and then above that, four cards for our great-grandparents. Step three is the trouble of our time. Uh, 
So we are going to pick a problem from the list given in the rule book or choose one of our own. This is an issue confronting this family, community, or the whole world we live in. Um, I don't want to establish too much about the state of the world, other than I do want this game to address in some way either the world when it was just the demigods and the synthites living there, after the world we saw created in Dodecahedraverse, mm -hmm. or very soon after humans and our birds and our other sentient species came around. So change sounds like a pretty big one to me then. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. What, what sort of problems is the world facing? Uh, the list they have here is war, crime, poverty, inequality, oppression, tyranny, cultural collision, change, stagnation, overcrowding, exile, wilderness, disease, disasters, or monsters. I think my vote's either for cultural collision or change, because I think both could be fairly interesting, uh, given this human-bird dynamic thing that we have going, and how we even got to humans and birds when all we started out with were synthites. Oh, one, one other culture we've seen is a culture of shape-shifting tigers. Hell yeah. Yeah, the tigers are real cool. Um, they're very mysterious. And probably back now, they were just kind of shape-shifters who eventually settled on the form of tigers as like their most comfortable form. But that's a long way in the future. So yeah, I think somewhere between cultural collision and change. I get behind either of those. Okay. Um... So pick a broad category for our setting. I think this world's setting has been pretty well established, which I would call weird fantasy. 100% weird fantasy. Very strange fantasy. <laughs> like it's fantasy, but sometimes there's going to be sad robots. It's like Lovecraftian Tolkien. Yeah, except with less racism. Less, yeah, less racism. And more birds. Yeah. I would argue less brunch also. Yeah. Okay. So now we're going to combine these two choices and brainstorm the trouble that these people faced and the world they lived in. So let's see. Do we have ideas here? For like weird fantasy and cultural collision. Yeah. I mean, what happens when... There's that first bird human family. You get you get a bird a bird parent and a human parent, and they start that little nuclear family. Mm -hmm. I didn't know we had a combination of both birds and humans. I don't know if we do yet. Hmm. You know, I'm sure those relationships exist. I don't know if I want to get into that on That's this podcast. Fair. At least in this game. <laughs> That's fair. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm you're sure going to hit a whole new niche market if you do that. Yeah, yeah. But, but that, that's not what I'm feeling tonight. <laughs> that's fair. I guess a question I have is, um, after, like, uh, time untold of being beings of relative but very, very strong power, how do the demigods feel that now there's just, like, kind of people around who don't really care about them. Because <laughs> I think that's an important element of like people showing up is like, they don't really care what the gods or demigods want. They want what they want. Right. 
all these all these little people with their own very real little people problems and not <laughs> like you know my dad is the god of everything my problems are about saving the world it's like nah i burned yeah. my toes this morning and then i stubbed my toe and now work sucks mm-hmm. i think speaking for amalgie i think they just think oh cool a new thing to experiment with but as we've already established, like once you give something free will, it no longer wants to be experimented with. Absolutely. That doesn't stop them. So yeah, so I, I kind of like this, where it's like, people have been around for a little while now. Both I think people and birds, and maybe tigers. We'll, we'll leave that as a blank slate. Um, and uh, one thing that's been true in the rest of the games in this world is that the demigods aren't like around as people anymore you know they aren't around on the world they're like up off doing other things right answering prayers now and then but that's about it right 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 so i guess this game could maybe answer that question of how how did we get there yeah how do we get there okay does this feel like a conflict yeah. you're interested in yeah i'll tr i'll track this down okay because if you have other ideas i'm happy to hear them no, I get behind this. It's like it's this this it's like the final it's the ending days of the relationship between the demigods and the 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 small people. Mhm. Mm yeah, I think that's a fascinating thing to look at. Okay. So we're on to step 4, the hero's deed. Now that you know what the world was like, describe what the hero did about the trouble. Did they succeed or fail? Did it turn out the way the hero expected? Were people happy about it? I think a good question is whether or not the hero is human or a bird or n neither. Mm -hmm. Is that voting for bird, Dane? Sorry, I was, yeah. I mean, I think a bird hero is at least first to go around, definitely the way to go. Yeah, yeah. We've already had like a bird hero like way off in the future. So. That's cool. In fact, we've had like two different acts of bird heroism. So I like that as being like a cultural theme. Birds are the true heroes. That like when you tell a story about someone like making a dramatic sacrifice for their people, it's like usually a bird. Hell yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's a bird. It's um, a bird. I think this bird was just named Vayu. And that like Vayu? Uh-huh. And that's and where that like, title comes from? Yeah, and their their title, that title comes from this first bird. So what did they do? Wasn't the first Vayu a synthite? Uh, no, that was a bird that was just named Vayu. Or that was like her title. Oh, okay. So like this would be the origin of that title. Nice. I think this, I think this Vayu may have been the, 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 catalyst for magpie leaving the kind of the material plane oh for leaving that's interesting Th um, this 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 particular bird value has just like kind of a nasty trickster streak mm -hmm. and as is often true with uh people who like to play jokes magpie not great <laughs> at being joked upon yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, you're stealing my own domain. 100%. Uh, what pronouns does Vio use? 
She, her. I think it's a ladybird. All right. She, her. So Vayu drove away Magpie. Um, On accident, I think? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so like she got into like a prank competition with Magpie. You know, uh, like a trickster battle. Yeah. She threw a shiny thing into the sky. Yeah? And how, how does that win the battle? And then she took it out from behind Magpie's ear. Yes. <laughs> how, how does that overwhelm a, a demigod? I think that might have been the first time anybody did the coin from behind the ear trick. And Magpie, <gasps> it just, it was, it's not like Magpie left forever because of that. But Magpie was like, I need to take a second. But mm-hmm. then Vayu just kept upping. I think that was. I don't think that was the the end of the the trickster battle. I think that was the start. Okay. And this is why sleight of hand is not allowed in Altovia now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, Vayu definitely feels like a person who would then go and found Altovia. <laughs> okay, but I think the. So the rough draft here is that Vayu engaged Magpie in a duel of tricks and riddles and won. Yeah. And as a result, the demigods kind of started to respect uh, the autonomy of other beings. Yeah, I get behind that. Or if not respect, at least grudgingly accept. Yeah, I like that. Tolerance, even. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we should write that down. Yeah, like you created this thing, but check it out. I just made it better. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. From all the ways that I've characterized the gods in this world so far, they would just hate it. Vayu, Vayu thought she was collaborating. Magpie <laughs> saw it as competition. Yeah. Okay. I like this. Okay, step five, the hero's traits. Brainstorm three things about the hero that were important to their deed. Uh, discuss how it helped or hindered them. Include at least one trait that helped and one trait that made the task harder. I feel like Vayu is kind of charismatic. I think Vayu is very charismatic. Yeah. And how did that play into this? Well, they thought they thought they were just having some fun with Magpie. And it really frustrated Magpie that they didn't see it as a competition and just a good time with pals. Mm-hmm. And that frustration is what made Magpie leave. Yeah, I get behind that. It's the whole like I want I want to prove I'm better than you and it's just like, nah, we're hanging out, we're having a good time, I'm playing goofs on you. Some quality goofs. It kind of feels like the thing of like Arachne, if Athena wasn't quite as spiteful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I okay, so, so I take let's I'm not sure if that's really high charisma or if that's like neutral charisma and just absolutely no understanding of uh like social cues <laughs> it might be both yeah I think, I think it's kind of i i think it's enthusiasm enthusiasm where they're just like yeah everybody loves I mean, me. I does. a second trait socially oblivious super socially oblivious very much so Okay, like and... glides through the world in this bubble of charisma, 
and has never really needed to be socially aware. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I already love Vayu. It's like that episode that their episode or those couple episodes of like Thirty Rock, where Liz Lemon is dating John Hamm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he's, he's just really, really, really pretty, but he's gorgeous. <gasps> yeah. Okay. What kind of bird is Vayu? Oh, I don't know. If you want to establish that, we can. My vote is flamingo. Okay, large flightless bird performing sleight of hand is a really good image. So, or I guess flamingos can fly. They fly flamingos real good. Fly. They look goofy while they do it, though. Kiwi? No, the flamingo kind of fits with this, actually. Flamingo <laughs> makes a ton of sense. Uh-huh. Okay. They're like long, funky legs. Goofy Except looking. They're not a pink flamingo. What color are they? What color are their feathers? Maybe like a dark orange? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we need one more trait aside that makes this task a little bit harder. Because charismatic and socially oblivious both kind of helped. They don't, I mean, they don't have opposable thumbs. <laughs> okay, but this should be like a personality trait or like, you know, something that isn't just a fact of being a bird. Of being a bird, that's fair. Alright. Easily distracted? Yeah, that totally fits. I think Vayu might be tricked by their own magic tricks occasionally. <laughs> yes. Just um, for like just for like a hot set. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely. And that's that's what that and that is is both challenging but also leads into that like charismatic confidence that's like, <laughs> you know, I might legitimately be magical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like when like someone's teaching something and they're really, really excited about the subject, even though you know it's like the hundredth time they've taught it. Yeah, they absolutely. They still get really into it. Absolutely. Definitely. It's definitely the over-enthusiastic chemistry professor. Okay. So we have our hero's traits laid out. Um, let's see. I think we can skip over making a palette just because we've already played games in the world unknown. So we already kind of know what the palette looks like. Excellent. Um, if there's anything you would like to ban from showing up in this game or definitely make sure that it shows up, you should say so now. I don't know if I have anything. No, I think I'm good. Okay. I don't think I have anything. Oh, one thing I should say about like actual magic is that actual magic is big and weird, and the demigods can use it easily by speaking in a language called the breath, which is kind of the world the the language the world was spoken in. But uh People can't really properly speak it or keep it in their heads. They can use it, but they, they usually need to like have it written down to be able to use it. And I think the demigods have been pretty selfish about keeping it to themselves. All right. So it's hard to do magic, but when you do do magic, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's that, it's that big world-ending magic. Yeah, yeah. Because petty magic doesn't show up until the second sun. Yep. Okay, so we have our palette. Okay, next up are the ancestor cards. So we have these seven cards sitting above our hero, and each card represents two people. So the left and right thirds are those two people who are mm -hmm. the two ancestors of the person directly below them. Um, and then the middle of the card is divided into two sections. The upper section is the union, which describes uh, how these two people came together and created their offspring. And the bottom section is their fate, which is how the ancestors' lives turned out after they had their... All right. So 
in theory, this first card above value is the like parents, right? That's yes. the and you know this isn't just about like biological family. Mm-hmm. This is just as much about um you know mentors and other people who shaped these people's lives, and also in this early time where there's still lots of big big magic flying around, and the world is still only kind of you know like two thirds formed, uh you know. Parenthood can be a lot of things. Right. Okay. Step eight, making ancestors. So from now on, each of us is going to contribute individually instead of brainstorming and collaborating. Um, to start fleshing out our family history, each player creates one ancestor. You can go around the table or contribute in any order. You'll have opportunities to make more ancestors later in the game. To make one, pick an empty ancestor section from any of those cards. Um, describe who they were. So give them a name, uh, to say what their life was like before they met their partner and had their offspring, and don't talk about other ancestors who haven't been created yet. Mm-hmm. And then say whether that person's early life was a happier side time overall, marking it as like light or dark. All right. Okay, actually, I have an idea. You got one? Yeah. Uh, the leftmost grandparent I'm going to make be Magpie. Oh, the wow. Magpie created, not their own demise, but their own comeuppance. Mm-hmm. So, um, who was Magpie? Magpie was, um, I think one of the later demigods. There's like lots of demigods, and we'll never like meet all of them. I think there's you know at least like ten or twelve, like more than you know a good pantheon size. So Magpie is probably like a second generation demigod, like a demigod created by another. Um, they are a very very large blackbird. Um, and, hmm, you know, they, they came into the world fully formed because that's more kind of how demigods work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they came into the world with a deep desire for shiny things. And that desire has like followed them their whole life. I think they're kind of like a dragon and that like accumulating shiny things is like not just a compulsion. It's also the source of their power that magpie's horde is like, allows it to, create things and to do its own magic. Mm. Uh, so I think Magpie spent most of its early life searching around the world for various shiny things, um, getting into arguments with the other demigods, of course, um, and and leaving huge feathers all over the world that have like interesting properties. And I don't think I'll be more specific than that. Just the feathers of Magpie are useful, have useful properties. All right. And I think that this was generally a light period. It's kind of hard for Magpie to have an unhappy life. That's fair. What they want is pretty simple. So Magpie would have to have a partner, right? Yes. But you don't have to fill that in now. I've got kind of an idea, though. Yeah. I think it'd be interesting if Magpie's partner was the Duchess, the first Duchess of Nightmares. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, (laughs) where did the first Duchess of Nightmares come from? What was her early life like? And we can always come back to these and elaborate more as we play. I think the first Duchess of Nightmares was also a bird, but more of synthite-bird combination. Mm -hmm. I think the first Duchess of Nightmares was actually a phoenix. Whoa. 
Ooh, I like that a lot. Um, kind of, kind of a, uh, the workings of both Amagi and Conflagrio, where this this bird possesses a lot of magical powers, obviously because it can die and come back to life. Cool, cool. So I kind of like the idea of if one set of of Vayu's grandparents is like magpie and a phoenix. The other side is just like some exceedingly normal mm-hmm. people, and I've got I've I've got this name kicking around for Andrew P. Featherbody. Yeah, Andrew P. Featherbody. Andrew P. Featherbody. Oh, Featherbody. In the in the the reflective spot of Magpie, um, and very much like Magpie, collects shiny things because he's a banker. <laughs> However, not even a little bit powerful. He is or not even a little bit playful. Also not powerful. He is like the a teller and he's very serious. He likes food with no salt and like I think he carves ducks in his free time. Oh good. Good. Glad to be another actual play podcast with duck carving. I don't <laughs> God damn it, you're right. Um, so, uh, Haley, was the Duchess of Nightmare's early life uh, generally positive or negative time? Um, hmm. Probably positive. Very powerful being that got it on with the demigod, so that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And Dane? Uh, I'm gonna say fairly positive. Um, like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was successful in the way he wanted it to be, but also, like, pretty sad. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he's alone in, not alone, but, like, he leads a very sad, boring life. Okay, so we have introduced three ancestors, three grandparents. Um, play. Uh, read the section aloud. We now know a lot more about the world, and we've gotten a first peek at the ancestors, but there's still so much we don't know. For the rest of the game, we'll continue to explore all these lives and discover more about them. Each round, one player will choose a particular union to focus on, and then we'll take turns creating ancestors, describing their lives, or adding more detail to what we already know. We can narrate stories, or we can roleplay together and see what happens. Because we're building on each other's ideas, but taking turns contributing, uh, you might be surprised by what another player makes, You may have had a very different idea about how a particular pair of ancestors got together or what someone's childhood was like. That surprise is all part of the game. Once something has been established, it's our job to embrace it and run with it. Uh, We already know how the story ends, so learning how we got there and why it happened and being surprised by what we find out along the way is all part of the game. Okay, so we're ready to play properly. On the first round, pick a person to be the lens. If you're teaching others how to play, it'll probably be you. And I'll do that because I'm the facilitator. Uh, so the lens will pick a focus. So you choose one ancestor card. Uh, that's the part of the family history that we will explore this round. So after that, we'll each get a turn, and I'll actually get two turns to pick a section. Either fill it out if it's blank, add some detail to it if it has uh, uh, already stuff filled in, and if you're choosing to add detail, we can choose to do that as a scene rather than just as narration. Okay. 
We'll figure that out as we go. Uh, we should also decide on a turn order right now. I guess we can just do the order that our names are. So we'll go Paul, Haley, Dane. Perfect. So for the purposes of this, Haley is sitting to my left for how this rulebook says things, just because there are things where is the person sitting to your left or to your right. Alrighty. So I need to pick one of these cards to look at. Let's see, do we want to start with magical stuff or mutane stuff? Or hmm, what's interesting here? I think we should start with Andrew, the card above Andrew P. Featherbody. Look at his parents. So the five sections that we are fair game are every blank section on this card and Andrew P. Featherbody. Alrighty. So we can talk about Andrew P. Featherbody's early life or his parents. So, and I get to fill in one of these first. And of course, you can't describe the union or the legacy until we have both ancestors filled out. Okay, so I'm going to describe one of Andrew's parents. And it's going to be, um, they're going to be named Tarragon. Tarragon. It's got to be something else that starts with T. I mean, you could, you could go with your spices and they could be like Tarragon Time. Tarragon Time is very good. Yes, Tarragon Time uses she, her. And she is, what's her deal? What was her early life like? Okay, I think that she considered herself a monster hunter. That there were all sorts of terrifying things out in the world that it was her job to go out, find them, and kill them. Uh, she didn't have any like fancy magics or anything. She just had her own classic, uh, her own classic chain whip, and she constantly found herself in mortal danger. Um, she did end or at least partially end a fair number of synthites and to be clear like this isn't like any she's not doing this for a great reason like uh i'm sure that she ran into a couple synthites that were not nice and that were probably very dangerous or even maybe like cruel and evil but she also just like killed some synthites because they just kind of looked scary even though they were relatively peaceful damn so she was a monster hunter and um, while I think that she certainly enjoyed it and thought she was doing good, um, I'm going to make it a dark period of history because she was doing a lot more damage than good to the world. Okay. So, Haley. Okay, I have an idea. Um, yeah. I think. <laughs> we'll see. So I think the child of Magpie and the Duchess of Nightmares... Oh, um, so... How this game works is when we focus on an ancestor card, mm -hmm. we can only talk about the five sections of that card. So the four sections on that card and the offspring right below. Oh, okay. Don't worry, I'm, I want to get to that card too. I have so many ideas for that <laughs> one specifically, but I... Um, hmm. Well, you'll be the focus next. <laughs> okay, so I think... I think the partner of Tarragon Time was a small-time alchemist. Um, I think he made a lot of the potions and things for her to, so she wouldn't, you know, die. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. um, so when we talk about ancestors, it's usually before they meet? Right. Okay, so before they meet. So I think he was a small-time alchemist. He grew everything in his backyard. Um. 
and he sold potions to the local people because I think where he lived, it was pretty synthite infested um, and people were getting injured by them all the time. So he sold stuff in order to help prevent that. Okay. I can't think of a name. <laughs> Any name suggestions, Stain? Bradford the Strange. Beautiful. I love it. Okay, Bradford the Strange. And I guess his last name is actually Featherbody because some, <laughs> somehow Andrew P. Featherbody had to get that name. Hey, we don't know how family names work here. That's true. I guess he just decided his name was Andrew P. Featherbody. Uh, like we had one community who they named themselves after their greatest achievements. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's so really sweet. Moon Summit, who then became Moon Wrangler. Both of those names were preemptive. Oh, and as for type of bird. Um, yeah? Hummingbird. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. So Bradford was a hummingbird? Yes, Bradford was a hummingbird. Okay. I like birds a whole lot, y'all. <laughs> well, you came to the right place then. Buckle up for my birds. Uh, and was Bradford's early life dark or light? I think pretty dark. He tried his best to help everybody out, but there was a lot of um, injury and death that happened in his town. Yeah. Okay, Dane. I would like to talk about the union of Tarragon Time and Bradford the Strange. Please. Um, I think Tarragon Time was uh, hunting a monster um, and decided, and, and it, middle of the night, uh, decided to, to bed down for the evening. Um, and unbeknownst to her, she had taken up residence underneath interestingly enough the rosemary bush of bradford the strange hmm. so he went out in the morning to collect various alchemical bits and he found this uh this woman sleeping under his herb garden okay and then you know there was that kind of moment of why are you in my garden he learns that she's a monster hunter and he very luckily makes bits and baubles and and poultices specifically for monster hunters and because he thinks she's a cutie patootie he gives her some for free and she keeps coming back and eventually potions turn into coffee dates and then coffee dates uh turn into a bitter boring banker yeah um, so is this a happy time for them? I think this is a very happy time for them. Okay. They both have these like dark pasts and mm -hmm. this is like very different than what they both have come from. Yeah. That good, good change of pace. Good. Um, does the monster hunting get a li little less violent after they get together? Yeah. Because I don't think Bradford is like a go out and monster hunt kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And Tarragon starts to feel bad leaving him alone at home for like extended periods of time. Yeah. Monster hunting becomes more of a hobby and less of a vocation. Mm -hmm. It becomes more of like a, okay, we need actually need to go out and do this right. rather than 
I'm bored. Let's go fight a monster. Right. It'd just be like that sometimes. Okay. And then I get to do one more scene, because I was the lens this time around. And I think I want to talk a little bit more about Andrew P. Featherbody's early life, now that we know what his parents were like. Um, which is... Um, I think that as a kid, he just hears his parents telling like all these old like war stories about like all the cool stuff that they did, all these great adventures. And they always like, they had all these expectations on him that, you know, someday he was going to get, go out and live up to the family name that he was going to go, you know, and be this, be the next generation of hero. Uh, now that they've settled down because, you know, someone needs to be out there protecting the world. But he kind of listened to all these stories and just thought they sounded dangerous and very violent in ways that he didn't really want to get into. And he more had kind of a brain for, you know, numbers and interacting with people and um, living a little bit more of a comfortable life rather than, you know, gathering herbs and selling them below market price. <laughs> so yeah. he, he definitely had a lot of arguments with his parents growing up about what he was going to do. And I think after he did get his job as a banker, he's still very, very worried that they're very disappointed in him. Oh, buddy. Yeah. You know, when you go and you get a business degree and your parents wanted you to be a monster hunter. I feel that feel. <laughs> okay. So that finishes our first round. Um, so now the player to the right of the lens, which is Dane, Explores how a trait the hero interpreted, in, or a trait the hero inherited, or the trouble of the time is reflected in the family history. Legacy. Um, when it's your turn to make history about a legacy, pick a legacy. So choose one of the hero's three traits or the problem the hero tried to solve. Make history. Fill, pick a section on any card of the family tree. If it's blank, fill it in. If it isn't, add detail. What you make must relate to the trait or the problem you picked. As always, you cannot fill in the union or fate until both parents have been created. All right. Yep, that tracks. And it's good because I've got an idea. Bayou is socially oblivious. Yes. And it's because her great, great, no, one. It's just one great. One great. Her great grandmother all the way to the very, very far right. Okay. On the top. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, was a rock. <laughs> was uh, R-O-C or R-O-C-K? No, R-O-C-K. Like a boulder mm-hmm. that one day sprouted some tiny little arms and legs and then many years later, a small face appeared and then everything grew and grew and grew and her great-grandmother became a person but spent the first I don't know, 45, 50 years of her life as a literal stone. Cool, cool. Yeah, I guess stuff like that just happened all the time back then. Yeah. There was just like, back, and this is, you know, three generations even farther back than Vanya. Or no, mm-hmm. than uh, Vayu. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, you know, like, a couple of demigods might just be walking around, and one of them might say in the breath, oh, that's a cool rock, it almost looks like a person. And the rock hears, I am a person, and it slowly starts to, like, sprout legs. And I think I want to name her Vanya. Yeah. Vanya. That's a good name. Vanya 
Stone Skull. No. Vanya. Vanya. Who was a rock? I got it. I got it. V-A-N-Y-A. There we go. Vanya what? Vanya who was a rock. Oh, Vanya who was a rock. Is that one word or is that just like separate words? No, that's all one word. Okay. Just because you can make names that are longer than three words if you want. No, this is Vanya who was a rock. It's it's just the two. It's just <laughs> it's just two words. And if you if you say it really fast, it might sound like a little Eastern European. Like maybe she was Polish. No, she was a rock. Yeah. Um. What was her early life like? I mean, I guess you don't. You can go into as much detail or as not as you can, as you want. Well, her she she's an igneous stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let let's we can say her early life was tumultuous. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a pretty hot time. Uh, she came into being uh, rather explosively. Uh, was it light or dark? Uh, it was. It, it I would say it was pretty dark. Okay. Until she got corneas, it was a tough time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that completes our first round. Okay, so Haley, it's your turn to choose a focus. Now I can do the Son of Magpie and the Duchess of Nightmares. Yeah, so do you want to pick that card or the card with... Do you want to pick the parent card or the grandparent card with Magpie and the Duchess of Nightmares? Uh, the parent card. Okay. And yeah, you get to go. Um, I'm going to do the parent of Vayu, specifically the father. Um, okay. And he's the son of Magpie and the Duchess of Nightmares. Um, and his name is Apollo Wilson. Um, okay. And, he... <laughs> <laughs> and he's a very flashy bird known as the Wilson's Bird of Paradise. Um, he's extremely charismatic and tries to attract all the ladies. Um, he has some fire powers, but he's really not good at them. Um, and he, he just generally goes around and boasts about how his parents are Magpie, the demigod, and the Duchess of Nightmares. Mm -hmm. um, and tries to attract the ladies that way. Okay. And was his early life generally positive or negative? Oh, definitely positive. He's a very happy-go-lucky guy. Okay, Dane. I would like to focus on the union between Magpie and the Duchess. Oh, that's the wrong card. Oh, you you are you are right. You are right about that. I would like to, so I can do the the spouse of Apollo Wilson, right? Uh huh. Or you could do more detail on Apollo Wilson, or more detail on Vayu. I'm tracking now. Yep, you're right. Uh, and also scenes are on the table. Scenes are on the table, and scenes are that chapter playing a scene. Yeah. So basically, the rundown on how scenes work is you ask a question, you kind of like request and ban characters, we choose characters, and then we go in and roleplay a scene. Usually scenes aren't very long, just as long as it takes to answer the question. And um, scenes work very, very freeform. Like the only real rule in scenes is that you have ultimate say over what happens to your character. Other people can suggest things, but they never get to say whether they work or not. Mm -hmm. That That's how scenes work. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I want to talk about Vayu's mother. Okay. 
And I think her name is Millicent. Millicent Featherbody. Okay, Millicent Featherbody. And Millicent Featherbody raised on stories of her grandmother's daring do's is a troublemaker. She likes to mix it up and throw down. And throw down. And throw down. And throw down is in all caps. Well, of course it is. It has to be. But yeah. And she, in, in almost in rebellion against Andrew Peabody's very straight-laced parenting, and in absolute response to her grandmother's gentle prodding, she is kind of the next iteration of Monster Hunter. Mm-hmm. Where I don't I don't think it's like go out and like straight up whoop on some monsters these days. That's like that's the kind of stuff your grandparents do. No 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 no. Now it's all about prosecution. I think she's a district attorney. Oh no. Yes. Definitely definitely has her eye set on that on that good on that good power. I think she craves power. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she craves power. And kind of has like a magnetic personality. Uh-huh. So she's like a power lawyer. Oh yeah. She is like if Elle Woods wore like Armani like shark skin suits and slicked her hair back. Not here to goof around, here to throw down. Yeah. All right. And is this positive or negative? I would say positive. Okay. Okay, it's my turn. Guess it would make sense to talk about their union, which, let's see. I think Apollo Wilson had a tendency to get in trouble with the law. Um, mm. You know, bird law is kind of notoriously stringent. <laughs> um, And so I think that this is like, maybe it's like third or fourth time in a courtroom. And he's always just gotten off scot-free every time because he can just kind of charm uh, the judge. And, you know, talk them into, you know, just doing a little bit of community service, doing some volunteer firefighting. Because um, I think Apollo Wilson has a tendency to set things on fire that don't necessarily need to be set on fire. You know, yes, definitely. Just, just small amounts of property damage, not ever anyone like putting people in danger. But, you know, causes a little bit of chaos. And, you know. He was raised by very, very powerful people, so, you know, no one really wants to pin anything on him. That is, nobody until Millicent Featherbody. Oh, I love this. I love this so much. So, yeah, this becomes, like, kind of, like, a legendary legal battle over the course of, like, two years. <laughs> uh, like, this is, like, the CW decides to make a courtroom drama, oh. except it's just one court case that goes on for, like, four seasons. Oh, my God. Um, and, of course, after all the twists and turns, at the very end, uh, rather than coming to a verdict, they both declare their undying love for each other. And um, yes. very soon after, Vayu is born. I love it. It's beautiful. So, um, 
I think that this is as light as a protracted legal battle can get. All right. So I'm going to say this was a light it. period of time. Oh, I would watch that show so hard. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, I said the CW specifically just because it's that's the only network I can think of that could make a courtroom battle show have one case last four seasons. <laughs> and also would, you know, not to say that other TV shows wouldn't have a lot of romantic tension between the two sides of the case. But I think the CW would ham it up a lot. Oh, yeah. Episode one, they start going that timeline. There's no will they or won't they. It's a when will they. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everyone could immediately tell. Damn, he thinks she's hot. She thinks he's scum. Will they get together? <laughs> oh, Most man. definitely. That's <laughs> such a perfect double standard. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I don't love it, but I, I could see that as a TV promo, definitely. Most certainly. And, the, and they're birds, and that's perfect. Wait, is Millicent Featherbody a bird? I don't have that written down. Uh, no. I don't. As, going back down the family tree, I'm not sure she's a bird. Uh huh. Because Tarragon Time was a person, a human. Yep. Bradford was a hummingbird. Yep. Andrew P. Featherbody, I don't think we said one way or the other. We did not. It's possible she's a bird. Maybe she's a person. Who knows? Like, that's not something we have to nail down because, again, this is like probably like a family tree that, you know, you're finding in a book like 500 years later and trying to decode like the people's notes in it. Um, and also, you know, it doesn't really matter. I was just assuming because the last name was Featherbody. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because Bradford was a hummingbird. Mm -hmm. It's true. Um, so I think I want to say that it's historically debated whether Millicent and Andrew were humans and birds, but the general consensus has been it doesn't really matter because, you know, every binary is a fake binary. Right. That's true. That's very true. There's no such thing as a true dichotomy. Yeah. And in this world where everything is very, like, there's powerful magic around every corner. Sometimes a people just falls in love with the bird, and sometimes it doesn't matter. We've all learned an important lesson today. <laughs> and that's a question I don't want to dig any deeper into. I'm telling you, there is a niche market that we could tap right into. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I... One day, you're going to get fan art of this coupling right here. Yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. definitely are. You um, definitely are going to yeah. get fan art of it. Yep. That's... And I will be happy. Because I'm happy to see any fan art whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I've seen like one or two pieces of fan art, and it has just brought absolute joy to my art, my heart. That this tiny little show inspired someone to draw something that makes me so happy. Anyway, uh, Haley, you have one more turn. So I think I'm going to go more into Apollo Wilson's deal. Yeah, and I think his parents being very powerful beings um didn't really spend any time with apollo wilson they kind of just had him and then left him on his own um and so he developed his own personality 
he knew who his parents were, but he never really saw them. And so he never really got taught how to do magic, which is why he doesn't really know what he's doing and catches things on fire all the time. Um, but he just really is looking for love and attention, which is why he's so charismatic and out there, because he just wants to be loved. Okay, I like it. That's super sweet. Yeah. He's a good boy. He's just a very flamboyant boy. Mm-hmm. He's just flamboyant and flirty. Yeah. And sometimes sets things on fire. <laughs> Most definitely. Hmm. And now I get to choose something for a legacy. Let's see. We had already taken the socially oblivious trait, so I'll do a different one. I think I want to say something about the... Um, yeah, I'll say something about the the future of Magpie and the Duchess's relationship. Um, what did they call that? Called fate. Yeah, that's their fate. So, um, I'm gonna draw on easily distracted here, which is that after Magpie and the Duchess created uh, Apollo in whatever way that they did, they like had all these brilliant plans for what they were going to do with this child that he was going to be, you know, like he was going to rise up and be like the next big thing in the world. But then all of a sudden Magpie came up with a new scheme uh, to convince people to give them uh, shiny things as tribute. And also the Duchess all of a sudden got into a feud with like one of the other demigods uh, with another demigod, which I have not yet named uh, God of Let's say the wind. Sure. Ooh. And sometimes they play well together. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. So they both got pulled off into these, their own directions and they both just kind of forgot that they had made Apollo, which is really kind of messed up. Oh, that's so sad. And they also kind of forgot about each other. Like they would see each other every once in a while at like reunions and at like tribunals of like the, hey, we need to get all the powerful beings together because we have to make a decision. And they always be like, hey, but it would always be like, hey, you say to an ex that you dated 15 years ago. Oh, no, that's so sad. So it's not sad for them, but it's certainly sad for Apollo. And well, maybe it's good for the world at large that they weren't like a super, super tight couple because they would have been a power couple that could have done a lot of damage. I just want to give my boy Apollo Wilson a hug. Also, Apollo Wilson sounds like a sports name. 100%. It sounds like a character Tom Hanks will be friends with in a movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, how did you get the last name Wilson, of all things? Wilson's Bird of Paradise. Yeah, but Wilson doesn't exist in this world. Well, it was a discussion I was having with Dane, where he's like, whether well, you're going to name him Wilson? And I said I was going to name him Apollo. And was, so I decided his last name's Wilson. I got I've got an idea for how as to how Wilson came about. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I uh yeah yeah yeah. I think cuz I'm I'm picking the focus next, right? Yeah, you're right. It is your turn. Um I want to focus on the Duchess of Nightmares. Okay. Um and I specifically uh the card with her on it or the, the card, card with her above on her. It. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I I specifically would like to talk about the union between the magpie and the Duchess of Nightmares. Yes, please. Um, and I think knowing how their, uh, 
their fate ends, right? How easily they kind of break up and drift apart. I think that they are drawn together on like a purely physical, uh, a purely physical way. Because yeah. Magpie sees the Duchess of Nightmares as kind of the ultimate shiny thing. Mm-hmm. This is a, a living, breathing, shining thing that can like talk back, right? And yeah. Magpie calls the Duchess of Nightmares the Wild Sun, as Ooh. like S U N. Yeah, yeah. And then that's how you get Wilson. Ooh, I like that a lot. So they name him Apollo Wild Sun, but somebody at some at some point it just got shortened to Wilson. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. So is that a darker light union? I think that's a dark union. Let's see what else is there to add here? I guess I could say more about the Duchess's early life. Um. Okay, I actually want to do a scene. Alright. So, how a scene works is I ask a question, and then choose the when, the what, and the where, and then, well, I'll, we'll come up with some characters who are going to be there, pick those characters, and then roleplay a short scene. But the question I want to answer is, which being granted the Duchess her powers? Ooh. Uh, so this is obviously, um, I think she was already a phoenix, but this was her seeking more power. The power, like, on the same scale as the demigods, or as, like, the most powerful synthites. So that's our when, our what and where. So we need to figure out where this is happening. I think that this is at the place where life was first created, the Lake of Ublek. This strange mm. bubbling substance that still stands on one side of the world today. It's kind of like, it's like non-Newtonian fluid. It's what the first like beings were created from by the gods. Um, there's like a ring of like sparkling rock here where it said the gods like once threw the greatest party of all time. And I think that there's like, this is like some like yearly or like decade every decade celebration uh, in memory of that party, uh, the first really, really good party that Ox threw. <laughs> and the Duchess is here trying to talk someone else into granting her power. All right. So, of course, I'm going to require that the Duchess be here. Um, I can also choose to ban characters. I don't want Magpie to be here because this is before Magpie shows up. Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to ban anyone else. All right. Uh, I kind of like the coincidence that um, Vanya, who was a rock, is here. All right. Uh, I'm not going to require that she was there, but if anyone <laughs> wants to play her. Okay. So each of us chooses a character, starting with um, Haley. I think I'll be a Moggy. Okay. Dane? I think I'll be Vanya, who was a rock. Okay, and I will be the Duchess. So everyone's goal is to answer the question. So pick a character that lets you contribute. Uh, reveal thoughts. Take turns saying what your character is thinking before the start of the scene. Following the same order as picking characters, just a sentence or two is perfect. Your thought could reveal what the character is going to do or highlight what the character expects to happen. Revealed thoughts are a powerful tool for influencing the scene. 
They let you give other players hints about where you want scenes to go. Never answer the question with your revealed thought. So, Haley. Hmm. This is at that party, right? Yes. I think Amalgi is, is just contemplating everything that she's seeing here and just the mix of people and gods. Um, <laughs> and I think her eye is caught to the couple of non-god creatures here, which is the Duchess of Nightmares and the person who was a rock. And I think she's very fascinated by these two um, as she's staring from across the way. Okay. I think Vanya, who was a rock, is feeling very alone at this party and that everybody else around her is trying to just move too fast through the world, you know? Yeah. I think the Duchess is thinking that everything here has gone perfectly to plan and that she is in perfect position to strike. All right. Um, what form does Amalgi have here? It's a question. Because Amalgi was always kind of shifting and shapeless. I think in this case, I think they're sort of switching depending on the person that they're talking to or the god they're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, basically, Amalgi switches to whatever form they think the person she, they're talking to will be most comfortable in. Mm -hmm. um, so if they're talking to a god, they probably will be will take whatever form that god's in. Or if they're talking to a synthite, I think I think Amalgi feels most comfortable talking to a synthite because then mm -hmm. Amalgi could be the form that they are, which is everything. Okay. Greetings, creator of mine. Uh, the Duchess bows. Greetings. Um, can I ask, how did you get here? I, I flew. You, you granted me wings. I, I'm ever thankful for that. Hmm. And I wonder, I wonder if they sent any invitations out to non-gods. Well, what are you guys talking about over here? <laughs> Hello, I'm also curious as to how you got here, the person who was a rock. Amalgi, have, have you met Vanya? I am Vanya, who was a rock. I have a knowledge of all beings. Yeah, well, I was nice enough to give Vanya a ride here. She seemed very interested to meet all of you. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's nice to be wanted, you know? Yeah. Oh, of course, of course. So you see counsel with me. Why? I, I, I come with a question. Maybe, maybe more than one question. We'll see. Why is it that the other gods, that your own children, or, you know, stepchildren, whatever, however you see them, see fit to grant life, likely eternal life, to someone such as Vanya, who was nothing but a humble ruck who was lucky enough to be in the right place. And yet I am cursed with wretched mortality. Cursed with mortality. Hmm. Well, I think we get bored is really the answer, and who we choose is really nothing more than happenstance. So what you're saying is that this is all arbitrary, that there's no reason that Vanya here, bless her heart. Thank you. 
Oh, you're welcome. Um, it's, it really has been a pleasure chatting with you. What I don't know, will you back me up on this, Vanya? That shouldn't everyone get the same opportunities that you, a rock, did? Well, I mean, it would be nice if everybody got the opportunity to stop being a rock and become a sentient being. Don't get me wrong. But also, I think occasionally a bit of luck is involved. <sighs> luck. Luck. Kind of a, a right place, right time, right people sort of setup, you know? Well, there's also to consider the fact that not a lot of people ask. A lot of people just assume that there's nothing we can do for them. And for the most part, we just don't feel like it. But sometimes, if, some, if we're willing, we can grant something. Okay. Then, Amalgi, as your very own creation, as your very own speaker, as your greatest synthite, I ask of you, make me immortal. Make those who live thousands of years from now still know the name the Duchess of Nightmares. Oh, that's a whole can of worms you're getting into there. Are you really prepared for that? They said I should ask. Know that it comes with a cost. You're not going to remember the lives you relive. I'm willing to pay any cost for this. Very well. And I think Amalgi snaps her fingers, and immediately the Duchess of Nightmares burns to an ash and is recreated. Ooh. That's the end of the scene, yeah? That's the end of the scene. Yeah. Is that a dark or a light scene? It's a good question. It's a very good question, because the Duchess of Nightmares in future things is very scary. Uh-huh. Not necessarily bad, but also not necessarily good. I'm going to mark it as light because she got what she wanted. That's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. So that was my thing. So it, is it Haley next? Yeah. Okay, so just review with me here. Um, what do I have available to me to play? Um, you have Magpie, the Duchess, their union, their fate, or Apollo Wilson. I think I want to do a scene. Okay. Um, and I think my question is, what was Magpie's first reaction when they saw the Duchess of Nightmares in their new form? Oh. Okay. You should establish the when. I think that's relatively clear. Uh, I would say uh, pretty soon after Amalgi grants her the powers. Okay. And then where and what is happening in this scene? Like, what's the situation? I think... Hmm, I could use some help with the where. Um... Is this in Magpie's place of residence? Yeah, I think so. I think Magpie has a nest on the top of the tallest tree in the world. That's good. And I think the what is that Magpie is currently collecting shiny things to include and build a bigger, shinier nest. And I think the uh, Duchess of Nightmares is coming down from the sky in their new form. Okay. Um, so characters you want to require or ban? Duchess of Nightmares. Mm-hmm. 
I don't really think there's any I want to ban. If uh, if Vanya, who was a rock, wants to come back, that'd be great. But it's not required. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how she would get here, but I'm I have no problems with that. I kind of just like Vanya as a character that is just always there for some reason. Vanya, who was a rock, is the guy in SpongeBob who always hurts his leg. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so Dane, you get first pick on characters. I think I want to be Magpie. Okay. I could keep being the Duchess or I could give that to you, Haley. Do you have a preference? Uh, I'd like to be the Duchess. Okay. Just out of curiosity of what the third character you'll pick will be. Um, I think I'll be one of Magpie's attendants, who is um, a human child named, he's named Clumpyrants. And his job is just to clean the nest, and he finds, like, religious joy in doing so. Beautiful. Clumpyrants, the acolyte. Uh-huh. And then Haley, you'll be the Duchess? Yes. Okay, so now we reveal thoughts. So, Dane? You know, I would really like to find a very large, very shiny thing. Clumpyrants is thinking um, that Magpie seems directionless, that they need like something that will push them towards the greatness they know is inside of Magpie. That, you know... They've hitched their cart to the right horse, but that horse might need a push. Um, I think the Duchess of Nightmares is currently trying to remember exactly what just happened and where she, where they were coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, because after she was reborn, she doesn't remember anything that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, she just knows she has power within her, and that's about it. Okay, so we can start the scene. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Clumpyrants, Clumpyrants, come take a look. What is it? What is it, my lord? Look at that beautiful thing. <sighs> um, it's probably just it's probably just like another like gold nugget or something. No, Clumpyrants comes over. Clumpyrants, I think that might be the biggest gold nugget I've ever seen in my life. I think he sees an ex- uh, something that almost looks like a meteor coming towards the Earth, uh, but on closer ins- inspection is actually this really beautiful uh, bird that is shining uh, a beautiful orange and yellow light. And as it touches the ground, there's a little... Um, it burn it singes the grass on the ground um and it's just looking uh she's just looking around trying to figure out where to go next um magpie i don't think that's i don't think that's a shiny thing i think that's a that's a person i think clumpyrants that might be the shiniest person i've ever seen in my life well clumpyrants is that the sun? Did the sun just touch down? Is the sun beautiful? Lone Pirates looks up, sees the sun still shining in the sky. Oh, I don't think it's the sun. Is um, it a second sun? No, no, second sun is off. You know, he's off at the war. Oh, is it a third sun? Well, 
we we could go ask it. Oh, mm. did, did you make this shiny thing? I don't think so. I don't remember. I would remember but, if I made a shiny thing this beautiful, I think. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, should we check it out? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's get very close and see if it is as shiny up close as it is from far away, you know? Okay, now now let's just be careful. Remember, the last time we got close to a hot shiny thing, you did singe your feathers. A magpie grabs Columpirance and just flaps as quickly as is birdly possible. Okay. I think this would be kind of terrifying from the Duchess of Nightmares' point of view. <laughs> as somebody who's kind of lost and all of a sudden there's something flapping very fast. So I think she sort of summons some fire powers in her in her feathers and is ready for battle as this thing is coming down at her. Um, are you all right down there? Yes, I'm fine. What are you doing? Um, well, this is Magpie. Um, sure, surely you know the tales of their brilliance and quickness. I am. Both I don't know quick much of anything brilliant. at the moment. I'm. Sure. Um, Magpie, do you think you could maybe, like, help her? You know, with, like, your powers. You do have powers. You remember that, right? Oh, yes, that's right. Powers. Um, would you like to see a magic trick? I think at this, she's really curious, and she takes out the flames, and she's like, sure, give me the best you've got. All right. And I turned Clump Pirates into a frog. <laughs> um, yes, the Clump Pirates does turn into a frog because I get to have say over what happens to my character, but that's definitely what happens to Clump Pirates. Um, and Magpie loses one of their only mitigating factors. <laughs> oh, no. I think at this, the Duchess of Nightmare laughs um, and, is, and holds out her wing and says, Very nice to meet you. I'm Magpie. Would you like to come <laughs> sit on my gold? Um, sure. Why not? I think you'd be a very nice centerpiece. I'd like to think I'm a little more than that. Yeah, like a very, very nice centerpiece. <laughs> Sure, sure. You're very simple, and I kind of like that. I'm Magpie. Yes, I know, dear. Um, is that the end of the scene? Yeah, I think so. I think so. For for Clumpirants. I like to think that Clumpirants, like the frog, the frogging wore off. Um, I don't know if we ever find out. Oh, Clumpirants. <laughs> he may forever be a frog. It's like how Vanya, who was a rock, is no longer a rock. Clumpirants, who was a person. Who was a person. Okay. Um, so, Dane, one more thing here, and then yeah. we'll do a legacy, and then we're done for the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I... Oh, was that scene light or dark? Haley. I think it was light, mostly, except for Clumpirants. <laughs> it was dark for Clumpirants. So I can expand on anything on this card, right? Mm-hmm. Or on Apollo Wilson. I think I want to expand on their fate. Yeah. And it's that 
after they drift apart, whenever they meet, Magpie always says hello. And for a while, the Duchess does. But then the Duchess stops saying hello and just starts apparently ignoring Magpie. Oh. But it's because the Duchess no longer remembers Magpie. Oh, sad. Oh, no, that means that she doesn't remember Apollo either. Mm-mm, not at all. Because oh. she was cursed. She was cursed. Okay. And then, um, Haley. Yes. I think you get to do the legacy this time. You're the person who hasn't done a legacy, right? Uh, yes. And can you explain where I do this now? Yeah, so you're going to pick one of Vayu's traits or the trouble of her time and then use that to inspire filling in anything on any card or expanding on anything on any card. Mm, okay. So I think um, based off of Vayu's charisma, I think both Apollo Wilson and Mel- Melissa's Featherbody's fates were good. I think they had a very loving relationship and they actually raised Vayu, um, unlike a lot of their parents before them. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually raised her in the charisma that they both they both possessed and made this very very charismatic um and very lovable child that ends our first time around so what we kind of ended up with was there was uh i think the first thing that happens in this family history is vanya who was a rock wakes up and then we have our era of monster hunters where tarragon time and Fratford the strange come together to do battle with synthites before people kind of realize that hey synthites aren't that dangerous and together they have uh, andrew p featherbody who completely failed to live up to his parents expectations and became a banker before uh with some with someone who was somehow related to vanya bringing about millicent featherbody who is a very very powerful lawyer who would go on to have one of the most famous legal battles in all of time with apollo wilson apollo wilson spawn of the demigod magpie and the duchess of nightmares who both had grand schemes and gained great powers in, of their own rights before passing those on to Apollo, but not teaching him how they use them. So Apollo goes on to commit low-level crimes and low-level arson and eventually gets into a years-long legal battle with Millicent Featherbody before eventually they instead fall in love and have a child named Vayu. And Vayu grows up to eventually meet Magpie herself and challenge Magpie to a duel of tricks. And somehow she manages to win with all the power from left from the father's side of her family and from all the guile and grit of the her mother's side of her family. She is able to overcome Magpie. And as a result of this, the demigods became less and less present in everyday life. This was like kind of a tide change. Vayu is now one of the most famous heroes in all of time because she challenged a god and she won. Mm-hmm.